0: Will the New York Mets just be better off to punt the 2024 season? I'll talk about it on today's edition of Locked On Mets. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you uh, amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, I'm breaking down if it's just... The best thing for the Mets to give up on 2024 and focus ahead to 2025 in the first segment. I'll break down the uphill battle they face in the National League East already heading into the year. In the second segment, I'll talk about if the minor moves that are being discussed right now that the Mets could make are enough for them actually to be a contender. Then in the final segment, I'll get into if it just makes more sense to focus more on player development than trying to go for it this year. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on X at Ficklestein Ryan. You can also find some of my writing at justbaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Write now, new customers. Get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. It's $150, win or lose. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. Now, We're looking at the Mets offseason right now, it has been pretty dull. You bring in Luis Severino, you make that trade with the Brewers, you sign Joey Wendell, and then you pick up a bunch of relievers off the scrap heap. I think the Mets have gotten better, but it's hard to really give them any type of a grade right now because you're just sitting here waiting to see them make a big move, and a big move might not come. Now, we have some differing information about what the Mets' plan is. On one hand, David Stearns has made it clear the Mets are trying to compete this year. They want to play for a playoff spot. But we also are watching them in this market. And it doesn't seem like they're in on Blake Snell or Jordan Montgomery, which we've spoken about at length in the past. Andy Martino went on SNY tonight. All but ruled out those guys coming to the Mets. And while you might not like Andy Martino, his information generally is good. He's already taken his victory lap every single time he gets to on Yoshinobu Yamamoto, and he was right. The Mets didn't have a chance to get him. It, it really was you know, Dodgers or Yankees, and probably just Dodgers with everything he ended up saying in that introductory press conference. You know, Yamamoto did that, even if Otani didn't go there, he probably would have been a Dodger. So the Mets were used for leverage there, and, and now they're in a point where they could pivot. But even as Martino said in that, uh, you know, hit on SNY that Davis Stearns and Steve Kohner and Lockstep, they don't want to just pivot to pivot. And if they think that those contracts are too high and they're going to get paid too much sell in Snell and Montgomery, they're not going there. And if you're not going to spend for any of these guys long-term, then it's hard to really improve this roster drastically. And so then we get to the question, is it worth it at all? You know, is it worth it to sign J.D. Martinez? What does that do for you? The Mets are in an uphill battle right now because if you look at the other two teams in this division that are going to compete this year, look, the Marlins had a great season this past year. It seems like they might be taking a step back under their new president of baseball operations. They might be looking to, you know, be a little more raised and, and trade some pieces. And who knows what the Marlins are going to do this year. But the two teams you're obviously looking up at, it's the Phillies and the Braves. And look at their starting lineups. The Braves – Okay, you got Ronald Acuna Jr. coming off an MVP season. Ozzie Albies from the second-base position hit 33 bombs last year. Austin Riley is always a perennial top-10 MVP candidate. Matt Olson was great last year in 54 bombs. Marcelo Zuna had a ridiculous resurgence where he hit 40 home runs, even though he shouldn't even be playing baseball anymore. Michael Harris II is one of the top five center fielders in baseball. He's not even 23 yet. He runs them down just as good as anybody in the outfield. And even though he had a slow start, figured it out and had a much better second half. Sean Murphy and Travis Darnot, one of, if not the best, catching tandem in baseball. They just added Jared Kelnick this offseason to give them a high upside left fielder who's still only 24. And they got Orlando Arcia as their stopgap shortstop. Uh, Von Grisham's not going to be taking over that position, but they like Arcia because he improved his defense he's just hitting the 9-hole for him. So you look at that lineup, and then you look at the Mets lineup where it's Brandon mo Jeff McGill, Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso, and then question marks. I love Francisco Alvarez. I think he's going to be really good. Still a question mark. Can DJ Stewart do what he did in August and September through a full season? Can he stay healthy? It's a guy that has injury issues too. Starling Marte, how's that groin going to hold up? Brett Beatty. Is he going to have another down year? Tyrone Taylor, if he's penciled in his or starting outfielder, it's not great. Mark Vientos, can he be the DH? There's a lot of questions. You compare that to the Phillies. They got Kyle Schwarber, Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, Nick Castellanos is their top four. You make an argument the Mets' top four is better, but then you go deeper down the line and Alec Bowman, third base. Do I think he's great? No. Is he better than Beatty right now? Absolutely. Bryson Stott at second base, one of the better second basemen in baseball. JT Ramuto didn't have a great year last year, but he was amazing in 2022. Might have some even-year magic again. Brandon Marsh had a really nice season. If you had to tell me right now, from a Mets perspective, who'd rather have Brandon Marsh or any of their corner outfield options right now, I'd take Marsh. Johan Rojas did not hit well in the playoffs, but he can play some defense out there. We'll see what he does over a full year. That's a much deeper team that's now playoff battle tested. The Mets aren't close to these two teams. And in addition of a J.D. Martinez or a Justin Turner, I don't know what that gets them there. And don't even get me started on the rotations. I mean, look, the Phillies are top-heavy. Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, Ranger Suarez. And then it kind of drops off with Taiwan Walker and Christopher Sanchez. But they have Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. They have two horses. The Mets only have one in Kodai Senga. He's not going to pitch as many innings as either of those guys. And Ranger Suarez is a much better three. Look at the Mets rotation. Kodai Senga, Jose Quintana, and Luis Severino is your one through three right now. Yeah, there's a chance that Quintana can do what he did in the second half over a full season and Severino can bounce back and be healthy too the whole year. But those are some, some ifs. Look at the Braves rotation. Spencer Strider, Max Fried, Charlie Morton, Chris Sale, Bryce Elder. The Braves are going to win this division, and the Phillies are going to grab one of the wild card spots. So you're playing for two wild card spots. You look at the NL Central. You got the Reds who are trying to to go for it. You got the um, you know Cardinals who should be much improved. Who won the division last year? The Brewers. The Brewers might take a step back, but even the Pirates are going to be better. I think the Mets aren't better than the Pirates, but like. There's a lot of teams that are, you know, pseudo going for it. And then you go out west and, I mean, there might be two wild card teams from that division. If the Dodgers guaranteed to be a playoff team, the Diamondbacks, the reigning NL champs, the Padres want to win. The Giants are going to try. We'll see. They might sign Snell. Who knows? They might sign Snell and Bellinger. It's going to be a competitive national league. And I don't know if the little additions the Mets might try to make, if they're not in on the top of the market, if that's really enough to contend next season. And that's what I want to talk about next. If the Mets do make some moves right now, if they sign some guys to one-year deals, is that enough to really be squarely in the wild card mix? That's what we'll talk about next. And then we'll get into in the final segment. It's just better off to punt it entirely and focus on development. But before we get into any of that, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there's so many different ways to bet. Like you have live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way. Find popular parlays, or you can create your own, okay? And you have not only the NFL season wind down with the playoffs coming up, but there's still right now NBA action going on every night. So you can always find a basketball game where you can create your own parlay. You can bet on a team. And look, again, $5 money line bet, win or lose. You're just going to get to the $150 in bonus bets guaranteed. So if you want to start playing today, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. <music> locked On has launched the first ever 24/7 streaming channel covering everything in the world of sports as Locked On Sports Today with our local experts on each team, our league-wide experts on each league. You want your 24-7 coverage of everything going on in sports. Find Locked On Sports today. The Mets are still rumored to be interested in some free agents. They're not just sitting out of the market. There's some interest in Gio Urshela at third base. There's some interest in J.D. Martinez or Justin Turner at DH. Maybe they'll get in the mix for a Shamanaya or a Jin Ryu or a Mike Clevenger in free agency and add another starting pitcher to the mix. But do any of those pieces move the needle and make the Mets a real contender? If their starting rotation is Kodai Senga, Jose Quintana, Luis Severino, Mike Clevenger, and Adrian Hauser. Are they in the hunt? That's where I have an issue with what the Mets are doing right now. I get it in some respects. I do. If Shota Imanaga was not sitting out there, I'd get it. If Jordan Montgomery wasn't out there, I'd get it. I know the Mets aren't in on him, but I still, in some respects, think they should be just because it's dependable innings, and that's what they need right now. But hey, you could also throw right back at me, hey, Ryan, look, do you really think that Kodai Senga, Jordan Montgomery, Luis Severino, Jose Quintana, and Adrian Hauser, the playoff rotation? And you might be right. Maybe the best move is just to say, all right, we're going to look to sign Brandon Woodruff for 2025, which I do think they should do. And then that's it. And you're going to roll with what you got, and you're going to give opportunities to guys like Tyler McGill and Joey Lucchese and Jose Budo. You're going to trust that you might be able to rely on Mike Vassell or Christian Scott at some point. You just rely in house. I think it'd be doing a disservice, though, to Pete Alonso, Francisco Lindor, Brandon Nemo, Edwin Diaz to not round out the roster a bit. And particularly that rotation. They got to get an arm in there, whether that's trading for somebody or signing someone. And I think Shota Imanaga makes too much sense for me. But yet, you know, today, Annie Martino saying it's possible, not probable, that they're even in the mix. And that it's would not be surprising at all if he lands with a different team. Now, his market could get crazy, and I get that. But to me, Imanaga is a signing that solves you know, two different things. It gives you a better chance to win this year, and it gives you a long-term option. Now, if you can't pull that off, you look out in the market, what else can you get? I mean, does it make sense to trade for Shane Bieber or Corbin Burns when they're rentals? Not really. I would love Devin Williams. Don't think you're getting them unless you take on Christian Yelich's salary, which, again, the more and more that we get removed from that podcast I did, the more I think that is the perfect trade still. If you could pull that off, and Christian Yelich is your starting left fielder, and Devin Williams is your number two, not Devin Williams, geez, Freddie Peralta, did I say Devin Williams the whole time? Throw him in the deal, too. Get yourself an eighth inning guy. Apologies for whoever's name I said originally. I meant Freddie Peralta. Because Freddie Peralta comes with three years of control on a team-friendly deal. That would be the ideal guy. But can you trade for him? I don't know. Getting Nick Pavetta, which we talked about on yesterday's show, that makes a lot of sense to me. I do think they have to add a arm just so they can get through this season. I really do think that that's important. And I would love it if they got a late inning guy. Because I think there is a world where certain things break your way. And we'll talk about the lineup in the next segment. So that's where I start to maybe, you know, pull back on the idea that the Mets should be pushing forward. Like the more I'm thinking about the J.D. Martinez and Justin Turner thing, the more I'm, I'm pausing. So we'll get to that in the next segment. But the pitching side of things, you have to add one more starter. You just do. And ideally you get the best possible guy that could be at top of the rotation arm, I just don't know what that's out there, but I think if you have a decent rotation, if you do sign Clevenger, as much as I said it's not a playoff team, look if Pete Alonso hits fifty-five home runs this year in a contract year, if Francisco Lindor is you know going for thirty-five home runs and swipes thirty bags again and drives in hundred and is playing Gold Glove defense, if Jeff McNeil is you know neck and neck with Luis Rise in the batting title race. Hitting 330 again. Brandon Nemo's putting up another great season. Like there are ways that this team can be competitive. So I do want them to round out this roster. But I think you have to be cognizant of the fact that it's more likely than not that you're you're not going to be a playoff team. And if you are a playoff team, you're probably an early exit. Because it'd be very hard for the Mets to put a playoff rotation together that can actually make a run. Unless Luis Severino turns back the clock entirely and is a front of the, the you know rotation starter that goes with Kodai Senga. And even then, you'd have to trade for someone at the deadline probably if you're not going to add an Imanaga or a Montgomery now. But if you want to be a team that's competitive, that that's a good product for your fans, you have to get some pitching. You have to. Because I don't think that signing a Clevenger or Manaya or Ryu, whoever it is, or even signing a, leading a reliever, I don't think any of those things is really going to take opportunities away from your young talent. But what we're going to talk about in the final segment is the position player front. Does it make sense to sign a veteran, come in and take playing time away from some of the young guys that you need to learn a lot about. So we're going to go through all that next first though, another word from our sponsors. Let's revisit the Mets starting lineup a little bit here. Brandon Nemo in center field leading off, that's great. Maybe Jeff McNeil's batting second, playing second. Lindor at short, batting third. Pete Alonzo, cleanup. One through four, as I said, that's the makings of a good team. And if those four guys are having great seasons, the Mets are going to be competitive. Those are four really good players at their best that can be four All-Stars at their absolute best. Now. Stalling Marte in right field. Let's just look at the, the corner outfield situation. Starling Marte, Tyrone Taylor, DJ Stewart. It's okay. It's not great. But, all right, DJ Stewart and Tyrone Taylor. There is some power there. And Stalling Marte is getting paid a lot of money and was good in 2022. Is there an outfielder that you sign that makes sense? They're not going to sign Bellinger. Let's say they went on and got Harrison Bader. What does that do for them? Michael A. Taylor. No. Now, hey, you want to talk me into Oscar Hernandez? Look at his home road splits, how bad he was playing in Seattle, but how good he was away, how great he was in Toronto, and say, hey, he's probably an A50 OPS guy that's going to hit you. 25 to 30 home runs and drive in 100. Yeah, I I could get talked into that. But do we think the Mets are really going to make that move and tie up an outfield spot when they have Drew Gilbert, Jet Williams as potential guys who could be factoring into the outfield mix with Nimmo as soon as this upcoming season, if not 2025? Luis and Helicuña could be. I mean, there's a lot of different guys that end up in the outfield. Do they really want to tie themselves to four years of Teoscar Hernandez at potentially top dollar because of this market? Probably not. There have been no real linking there. Jorge Soler, his days in the outfield are done. Okay, so as much as I love to see the Mets get another outfielder, I don't think they will. I think they're going into this season with what they have. And honestly, all of this comes back to that Ronnie Mauricio injury because that just killed you. Because Mauricio could have been your starting second baseman and Jeff Minfield could have been in left or right even. And that would have really just improved sort of the things, like the ceiling of the team by a wide margin, but also the floor. It, it just gives you so much more flexibility. You lost them. Now, how do you replace that? You go out and get Gio Urshela. Now, granted, he could play third, shortstop, second. Probably hits 280. Doesn't have a lot of pop, though. I'd like it. It'd make the Mets better. But then it just gets back to why I hated the Joey Wendell signing, because I'd much prefer Gio Urshela over Joey Wendell. And both of them on your team, what's that bench look like? Feels like you're an outfielder short, but then again, that's where Jeff McNeil comes in. If you look at the bench and it's Urshela and Wendell and Nervais, not a lot of firepower coming off that bench. You have whoever's not playing in the outfield, if that's Taylor or Stewart. So, yeah, the one place that you can add a bat is DH, right? There's been that connection to J.D. Martinez, Justin Turner. It would make the Mets a lot better. I would love to see J.D. Martinez hitting behind Pete Alonzo or even Justin Turner. Just give the guys some protection. It'd be great. And I think that would be amazing for, for Pete to actually go out and have a really good year and a contract year. But is the J.D. Martinez addition, if you're not getting a frontline starter, is that going to make the Mets a playoff team? I think it's going to help. But do you really want to block Mark Vientos for another year and just still not give him a chance to see what he has? Now, I know there's Mets fans who say, oh, really, you're still going to bang the drum from Mark Vientos and Brett Beatty. It's not even necessarily just the fact that I believe in them as prospects who have come up and hit, hit their skids, but I just feel like no one was successful on that Mets team. So it's hard for me to look at what they did this year and blame them for it. To me... The reason why I'm getting to the point where I'm saying, you know what, just don't address the position players. Just leave it as is. Let the kids play. It's because you want to know one way or the other. You don't want to go through another year where Mark Mantos is just hanging on your 40-man roster. He's not improving his trade value. He's just there. And then in 2025, you still don't know what to do with the guy. Give him the first half to see what he can do. Because if DH is still your problem and your only issue come the deadline, all right, and the Mets are in the mix, you can address it. But trust me, if that rotation is just awful, if Severino is hurt or he's just pitching to a 6 ERA again, if Hauser and McGill are a disaster at the back end, if they didn't add anyone else, you're not going anywhere anyway. And so getting 450 plate appearances of, of Mark Vientos' sample size of the big leagues it's worth it because you know what the guy did in the minor leagues last year in 61 games? He hit 306, got on base at a 387 clip, and slugged at a 612 clip. It's pretty good numbers. Okay. He had a 999 OPS in AAA. A point away from getting over to that one dot or the thousand. His walks were really good. His strikeouts were down. Now, the big leagues, granted, yes. He only walked 4.3% of the time. He struck out 30 and half percent of the time. I get it. It wasn't great. But also, do you remember what he did down the stretch? Do you remember what he did in September and October where he hit six home runs down the, down the stretch in that final month? Still wasn't great production overall, but he showed you a glimmer. The guy hit six home runs a month over the course of a season. It's a 30-home run guy. At your DH position. It's asking a lot, but again, I don't know if it's worth it to strip him of opportunities to get marginally better. And then a third base. I mean, if the Mets were to get Gio Urshela or Justin Turner to take playing time away from Brett Beatty, is that really worth it? I feel like you got to let these guys just sink or swim. And it would have been so much better if you had Ronnie Mauricio because you would have had contingencies at both spots. And that went away. But you do have prospects that you like. And you have Jeff McNeil to make the positions work. If he has to be your third baseman because Luisa Helacuña hits the ground running, you have a potential starting second baseman you can go to, you do it. And Jeff McNeil can suck it up for a season, play some third base, and I'm sure he'll be fine over there. Because, again, it would be about prioritizing development. And ultimately, for 2025, 2026, 2027, I do think, particularly with the position players that they have coming up the system, where you can see Drew Gilbert, if things are not working in April and May, and DJ Stewart's a disaster, and Stalin Marte can't get on the field, whatever it is, and you've all of a sudden had to lean on Trace Thompson for some spells, and it's just not working, but Drew Gilbert has tore the cover off the ball in AAA, All of a sudden, you're calling up Drew Gilbert, and he's your starting right fielder. I do think that the most important thing this year is finding out what you have. And the guys you want to find out what you have, it's Francisco Alvarez, who's going to get the opportunities. We know that. It's Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos, who, yeah, they might be on their last leg for Mets fans, but it's a new regime. It's a a whole new player development system, too, with Andy Green coming in. It's new faces everywhere. And these guys were very talented prospects who are still young enough and still have enough in the tank to turn around. That's what I'd be focused on. And look, if they signed J.D. Martinez, I'd still be thrilled because Pete Alonso would have legit protection. But do I think that J.D. Martinez puts them right there for a playoff spot? No. Now, if they were to go out and sign Shota Imanaga and Jordan Montgomery and J.D. Martinez and they got David Robertson for the bullpen, well, now I'm looking at their team and saying, all right, it's closer to the Phillies. That's a team that can make a playoff spot. But if you're not going to spend for the rotation, if you're not going to swing a big trade and surprise us, if you're not going to say, you know what? How about this? We're going to trade for Corbin Burns. And we're going to convince him to sign an extension, which might be tough. Or you're just going to roll the dice and say, you know what? We're going to trade for Corbin Burns. We're going to have a great year. If they got Corbin Burns with Kodai Senga, completely changes the dimension of the Mets, but they don't want to do that. They don't want to sacrifice that long-term flexibility, which I get because why give up Luis and Acuna to trade for Corbin Burns and then sign him after one year he's with you when you could just give Corbin Burns the biggest offer next year in free agency and try to learn him that way while keeping Acuna. So again, if you're prioritizing long-term in all these different ways, That I think the Mets should prioritize long-term in developing some of their players. And that's going to be a tough pill for Mets fans to swallow. Tough pill for me to swallow. I've been trying to talk about all the different transactions that can happen for months now, and we're still sitting here waiting for something to drop. But in the long run, we could look back at all of this and say punting on 2024, but really developing might have been the best thing for the Mets franchise long-term. And honestly, it could still be a lot of fun baseball to watch. Not if Adrian Hauser and Tyler McGill and Luis Severino are all sharing a rotation, though. Get me some starting pitcher still. That's the one thing. Bring in some arms still. But on the position player front, I think I'm okay with them just rolling in-house. Let me know if you guys feel the same way in the comments, if you're watching on YouTube. Also, we're trying to make a push to 8,000 subs. So appreciate all of you who hit that subscribe button. Uh, thank you for rating, following, reviewing, all that good stuff on the podcast side. Uh, also, if you want to be a Locked On Mets insider to get that extra bit of coverage on the Mets, you'll find the link in the episode description. Follow me on Twitter at Ryan. And after you've made it to the end of the show, you're watching on YouTube. Head over to Locked On Sports today for the first ever 24-7 streaming channel covering everything in the world of sports.